Take your Bibles this morning, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. Well, today, of course, is uh, we've, we're calling it Smile Sunday, and so anyone want to guess what I'm preaching on this morning, amen? And uh, we're going to be preaching on the joy of the Lord, and uh, well, I can't think of more appropriate subject to preach about on Smile Sunday. So 1 John chapter 1, if you find your place, stand with me together. I'm going to read the first four verses. We'll be in several passages today, but this is going to be our text verse, 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, That was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. Man, I love that. We've seen it. And bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard, and declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, here you go, you ready? That your joy may be full. By the way, why can your joy be full this morning? Because of those things we just read about, amen? Because of the Father, because of the Son, because of the relationship that we can have with them. Man, what a joyful thing that your joy may be full. I'm going to preach to you this morning on this subject, how to have joy in your heart, how to have joy in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. Thank you once again for allowing us to be here. Thank you, Lord, for the gathering of your people, God. Just what an amazing uh, thing is the church is. Thank you for gifting us with the church. And, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Meet with us. Uh, Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you'd be active in our midst. And I pray that you'd be working in hearts, Lord, as your word's going out. Lord, my prayer is always the same. Lord, if someone doesn't know you as Savior, they would accept you before it's too late today, Lord. Please make that very clear uh, in hearts as you do your work this morning. Those of us that are saved, God, I pray that we would uh, apply the Bible to our life and, Lord, use it to allow us to love you and serve you and just, just be what you'd have for us to be. Bless us, we pray now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. How to have the joy of the Lord. How to have joy in your heart. Now, let me start off by saying this, folks. There's a difference between joy and happiness, all right? Now, the Bible does talk about the happy, and uh, I I, uh, uh, was praying about maybe going along those lines this morning. Uh, But uh, truth be told, uh, uh, if I'm going to choose between happiness and joy, I'd rather have joy, amen? And let me tell you why, folks, because the word happy, uh, uh, in fact, I've taught you this before. You've heard me say this before, but the very... The very root of the word uh, means happenings, and happiness is a result of happenings. And truth be told, you know what? Uh, your happenings in life aren't always uh, that good, right? I mean, come on, uh, sometimes you have a bad day, and uh, sometimes there's times where you're just not very happy based upon happenings. But here's why I'd rather have joy than happiness, because no matter what's going on, you can have the joy of the Lord in your heart, amen? I remember, of course, growing up uh, uh, in, in church and, and uh, riding the church bus and, and bringing those kids to church on the church bus. It was my job uh, as we, we, we would go to church uh, to lead the kids in songs on the church bus. And uh, what, of course, uh, some of those songs we sang, uh, how many uh, ever sang this song as a kid or heard this song before? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? Now, my favorite part about that song is the part when you get to this, all right? If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack, right? Okay? Then we would add stuff to it. If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a bomb and 
and we would just add stuff to it. Amen. But the point of that song was the fact that as Christians, we got the joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. Amen. Amen. How about this song? We sang this at camp this summer. I've got joy in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Spell it, J-O-Y. That's all I'm going. Amen. But... uh, The joy in my heart, I've got it deep, deep down in my heart. How about this song? Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. And then we also sing this song at camp. I've got peace like a river. I've got love like the ocean. I've got joy like a fountain. Amen. Let me tell you one of the things as a Christian, if you can uh, understand this and get this truth, is that you know what? No matter what happens in life, you can have joy. Amen. You can have joy. So let me give you some things as I as I chase that thought to the scripture this week on how to have joy in your heart. Number one, first and foremost, knowing Jesus brings joy. Amen? Knowing Jesus brings joy. Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, all the context of these verses I'm going to read to you have to do with when Jesus, He came to the earth the first time when He was born almost 2,000 years ago. And notice what was associated when the news of the birth of the Messiah came to the earth. When they saw the star, talking about the wise men, they rejoice with exceeding great joy. And thou shalt speak and have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Probably one of the most famous Christmas carols that we uh, will we'll be singing before too long, we'll be singing them. Amen? The decorations are going to change. It's going to uh, change from fall to winter, and uh, we're going to be uh, singing and Christmas carols before you know it. I know we don't want to talk about that yet, but it's true. Amen? We'll be singing it before we know it. And I promise you, in a few months, you know what we're going to be singing from here? Joy to the world. Amen? Let me just say this, folks. Knowing Jesus Christ brings joy. See, within every person is the void. It's the, it's the empty place. It's that part in a heart where mankind tries to fill it with anything and everything that will try to give them some temporary happiness in this life. But folks, let me tell you something. Whenever human being was made, God made within them what I call the God vacuum. And there's not a substance. There's not a circumstance. There's nothing in this world that will fill that place in your heart other than a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Story is told of a man named Billy Bray. Billy Bray was a Cornish miner who accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior in 1823 at the age of 29. He lived a life of drunkenness and debauchery before his salvation, but he became such an outgoing witness and a testimony for God that he became, he became known as God's glad man. One time he was digging potatoes in his garden and felt the devil oppressing him. It seemed to him that the devil said, Billy Bray, God doesn't love you. If he did, he wouldn't give you such a puny potatoes and and so few. But Billy Bray didn't listen to the devil's temptation. He talked back to them and he said, I served you long and true, devil, and no better servant could a master ever have than I was to you. But when I served you, you didn't give me any potatoes. When I served you, you didn't give me anything good for my efforts. Amen? 
And Billy Bray reminded himself that the burden he had serving Christ was lighter than the one he had serving the devil. Amen? The yoke he wore in partnership with and submission to Christ was easier than the yoke he wore as one of the devil's disciples. And folks, let me just say this. Whatever the devil had to offer is nothing compared to the joy that comes from a life living with the Master. Amen? And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, you will never have joy without a relationship of Jesus Christ. You'll never have joy. And truth be told, folks, that's why our world is filled with miserable, hurting people because they know anything and everything except the true source of joy, and that is Christ Himself. Amen? So number one, knowing Jesus brings joy. How about this? Number two, serving Jesus brings joy. Matthew chapter 25 is the story of the of the um, the parable of the talents and the stewards. And notice about the, the 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 two stewards who spent their time serving the master and doubling their talents. Notice what's said of them: "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou's been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord." You know why those servants and one of these days, if we're faithful in the same manner, can enter into the joy of the Lord. You know why, folks? Because of our service for the Master. Now, I'm not saying that's what gets you to heaven, amen? Uh, so, uh, what, what we do for Him doesn't determine where we're going to go, but I'll just tell you this, folks. Uh, the type of eternity we'll have in heaven is determined by how we serve Him, amen? Bible's very clear on that. Luke chapter 10, verse 17, and the 70, these are people that disciples that were serving with Christ when He was on, on earth. Listen to this. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name. God had just sent them out on a mission, and they'd gone out and was preaching everywhere about Jesus, and He gave them power to do some miracles. And you know what? When they came and back and returned from that, you know what was in their heart? Joy. You know why there was joy in their heart? Because they had been serving the Master. And folks, let me just tell you something. Once you get saved, God didn't save us to sit. God saved us to serve. Amen? And we need to get plugged in. We need to get busy doing something for God. Amen? In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you, you read about the disciples and, and, and the process Christ took them through from when He first called them uh, as, as uh, just everyday common men and, and, and the process of He began refining their life and changing their mindset about certain things. And one of the things you find about the disciples, and it's true of us also, is that, you know what, they tended to be pretty selfish. They tended to be, until Jesus could change them a little bit, tended to be about themselves. In fact, the Bible says this about them in Luke 22. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. I mean, here they are arguing back and forth, who is going to be the greatest of them all? And of course, Jesus, he uh, uh, he uh, put the kibosh on that real quick. And here's what he said to them. He said this, he said, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he that is chief, as he that doth serve. Let me tell you, folks, you know what he's trying to tell them? Listen, you're not going to find any type of satisfaction in trying to promote yourself. You're going to find any satisfaction in living life for you. Let me tell you the greatest life. Let me tell you the joyful life is a life of service. Amen? Let me tell you the most miserable people on the planet are, folks. You know who it is? Selfish people. Selfish people are miserable. Amen? Listen, uh, that's true of people in the world. It's also even more true of Christians who are selfish. 
and all they think about is themselves and, and how life uh, relates to them and what you know they're going to do and their plans. And they don't consider what the Lord would have. They don't consider serving other people. You know what? Go ahead and live that life. It's a miserable life. Here's what the Master said. Here's what Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's talking about dying to self. Amen? He's talking about dying to what we want with our flesh for our lives. Notice what he says in John 12, 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And Jesus was teaching his disciples the secret to a joyful life. You know what that secret is, folks? Dying to self. Not being selfish. Living in a life of service to the Master. I just read an updated missionary letter of one of our missionaries, and I can't mention it because we're live on the Internet right now, but it's one of our letters back there, and I'd encourage you, man, read that letter. Now, it, it, it's, it's a long one, amen? And uh, our missionary had a lot to say because a lot's happened in his life, but him and his family literally just moved around the world to take the gospel to other people. And he talks about his travels and getting settled in that country and all the different things they experienced. But you know what toward the end of that letter says? Here's what he says. He says, you know what? He says, my family and I are at peace because we know we're in the place the Lord has for us. Talking about people who sold everything to go live someplace none of us would want to live at. But you know what he found there? He found what we all find we're in the will of God. Joy, amen? Because he's serving the Master. Let me just encourage you. You know what? If you're down a little bit, you're, you're depressed a little bit, hey, instead of, you know, reading the latest self-help book, all right, instead of getting on the Internet and trying to, you know, figure out how to build your self-esteem, hey, why don't you just get busy serving somebody, amen? Because let me tell you something, there's joy in that, amen? So knowing Jesus brings joy, serving Jesus brings joy. How about this? Man, this is good. Winning people to Jesus brings joy. Man, there's joy in that. To think that the very God of the universe would, would trust us with His precious gospel to deliver that message to other people and to be involved with God, partnering with God and seeing a soul come to Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it in the world. There ain't nothing like it. Amen? Let me tell you, there's joy all over when you get to be part of winning someone to Jesus Christ. There's joy in the life of those who got saved. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what I see when I lead someone to Christ. Almost every single time, this exact same thing happens. You know what you see almost immediately? A countenance change. I remember leading someone to Christ, sitting in my office back there, and 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 after this, this person accepted Christ, and 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 they called out to God and, and asked for forgiveness of sins and asked Jesus to save them. As soon as as soon as they opened his eyes, he's like, "Whoa, what just happened to me?" I mean, it, I mean, it was a visible difference. Amen. I said, "I'll tell you what happened to you. Number one, God just lifted the burden of your sin. Amen. Number two, the Holy Spirit of God just came to live inside of you. That's what's happened to you." And folks, let me tell you something. There is joy when people come to cry. Hey, you remember when you first got saved? 
I remember when I first got saved, I was a nine-year-old boy. In fact, just uh, uh, the, this last week, uh, on September the 13th, I celebrated uh, my uh, my 31st spiritual birthday. Amen? And let me tell you something, folks. Uh, I'll never forget that night I got saved. Just as a nine-year-old boy, I remember it like it was yesterday. Let me tell you one of the things I remember about it. As a nine-year-old, I remember the burden of my sin being lifted. And I remember that peace that flooded my soul. That joy that flooded my soul. You know why? Because there's joy when sinners come to the Savior. Amen? How about this? There's not just joy in the person who gets saved. There's joy in the life of the person who wants Him to Christ. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You know what he's saying? He says, let me tell you where I get the most joy at. Let me tell you what's going to give me the most satisfaction is when I, I know that God used me to present you to Him because He used me. I was an instrument to win you to Christ. Amen? Let me tell you this, and, 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 and I really do. I feel sorry for Christians who don't get a lie, who don't get involved in trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel sorry for you. Let me tell you why I feel sorry for you. Because you know what? You don't get experienced the joy that those of us who do get to do that when we tell someone about Christ and share the glorious news of the gospel. Let me tell you something, folks. That the joy that God puts in your heart, there's nothing like it on this planet. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to take on Wednesdays after, after school, the Christian school got out. I would take the young people, and we would go out into the communities, and we'd knock on doors, and, and we'd do so for a little bit, and I'd take them out to eat, and we'd go back to the church for the evening service. And I always remember this, and, and it made an impression on me as a youth pastor. But after we took the young people soul winning, and they were out knocking on doors, inviting people to church, telling people about the Lord, that was probably the happiest time that I, I'd seen in those teenagers' lives all week. You know why they were happy? Because they had the joy of the, the, the Lord in their heart. Amen. They just spent some time telling people about Jesus. Let me just encourage you, folks. Listen, I can only explain this a certain amount. You just got to get involved in it. Amen. You just got to get involved. By the way, we have opportunities to get involved in it right here at White River Baptist Church. Amen. Hey, once you come on out this coming Saturday, just like a lot of our folk did this last week, and uh, and went out and helped get the invitation cards out and talk to people about the Lord. Come on, y'all that went out yesterday. I mean, you didn't get back home afterwards and, and all depressed, ready to pop antidepressants because how of a miserable time you had out there serving God. Are you kidding me? I guarantee there was a pep in your step. There was a song in your heart. There was joy. Amen? Because you can only find that when you uh, are involved in winning people to Christ. But hey, that's not all, folks. You know, there's joy in heaven. When, we, when we're involved in winning people to Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, listen to this, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Think about this. Think of, this is a powerful thought. Do you realize as Christians on earth right now, we can have an effect of what's going on in heaven? We can literally impact what's happening in heaven. You know how we do that? By winning people to Jesus Christ. And by the way, folks, the Bible talks about there's joy in the presence of the angel. A lot of people, well, the angels are rejoicing. Well, yeah, I'm sure they are, but they're not the only ones rejoicing. How about this? Think about this. How about the family members that were praying that someone would get the gospel to their family member who's in heaven hoping and praying someone would get the gospel to their family member? I can tell you this, I guarantee they're rejoicing. 
How about maybe a grandma or a mom that was praying for a lost sinner to come to Christ, and you know what? They never got to saw that before they passed into glory. But praise God, someone took the gospel to their loved one. You don't tell me they're not rejoicing, amen? Yeah, I'm sure the angels are rejoicing, but so are those that have lost loved ones. How about this? I bet Jesus Christ is rejoicing. I mean, could you imagine the fact that everything He gave His life for, the, the, the huge price He paid, and, and, and even in heaven, when we see those scars, and He looks down as He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and glances down at His nail-scarred hands and sees one of His children lead a sinner to Christ, you don't tell me there's not a smile on His face when people come to Him? What an amazing thing that we as Christians can impact and have an effect of the atmosphere of heaven. Amen? But you can only do that if you're involved in winning people to Jesus Christ. So number one, knowing Jesus brings joy. Serving Jesus brings joy. Winning people to Jesus brings joy. You ready for this? Suffering with Jesus brings joy. That sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? We don't, uh, we don't equate suffering with joy. But you know why we don't? Because we're not thinking from the spiritual perspective. That's why. Hey, listen to these verses. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 This is Jesus preaching on the Sermon of the Mount, His message known as the Beatitudes. And here's what He says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for My sake. Okay? So, it's a very specific situation here. Okay? It's if you're reviled, persecuted, or said evil against you falsely for the sake of Jesus Christ. Okay? And by the way, I'll just say this. Amen? You live for Jesus Christ in this wicked world. You try to win people to Jesus Christ in this wicked world. Those things will happen to you. I promise you. Here's what he says. When that happens, okay? Here's what the next verse says. Go crawl in your closet and suck your spiritual thumb. Is that what it says? Maybe, I, well, I'm, I'm, I was going to say, maybe in the version you're reading from, but no, no one in this congregation would do that. Amen? No, that's not what it says. Here's what it says. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And my grandpa taught me a, 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 an amazing lesson about soul winning. My grandpa got saved when he was 36 years old, and as soon as he got saved, he gave the rest of his life to God, and man, he was a soul winning machine. He was always out there trying to reach the, the neighborhoods for Christ, trying to get boys and girls to ride the church bus. And he taught me a lot about reaching people. And one of the things he told me, he says, listen, he says, hey, don't get discouraged when someone's rude to you. In fact, get encouraged by that because God has got a prepared heart very close to the door where someone cussed you out, very close to the door where someone was nasty to you, and it's just the devil trying to discourage you. Keep going because someone is going to respond to the gospel. Amen. And let me tell you, man, my grandpa was exactly right. Amen. I can't tell you how many times that's true. Been out door knocking, man. Somebody will be rude to you a little bit, you know. By the way, you know what? Truth be told, if someone's rude to you, remember this, folks. It's probably not because of you. It's just because, you know what, they're hurting. Okay? Let's not get mad at people. Let's understand what's going on. But we're living in a hurting world. Okay? And you know what? Truth be told, the reason people are mean because they're broken inside. They're hurting inside. Amen? And so listen, we got to keep that in mind as we're reaching people. But it's happened before. And let me tell you, that doesn't discourage me. I keep going. I get encouraged because let me tell you something, folks. You know what? Somebody wants the message very close by. So Jesus said, when you suffer for me, rejoice about it. How about Acts chapter 5? Listen to this. Talking about the apostles here. 
And to him, they agreed, talking about those that were speaking against apostles and the type of a punishment they were going to give them. And when they had called the apostles and, those, and beaten them, okay, we're talking about physical harm coming to their bodies, and beaten them, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. All right, now let's relate that to us, okay? Literally, what, what, I mean, someone, let, let's, let's relate it to our town. Let's say it was uh, uh, the, the government here in Princeton, the, the, the local government. And you know what? They, they got wind that we were out talking to people, knocking on doors, and, and they called us up to the courthouse, and, uh, and they all got together and said, you know what, you're not going to do that, and they literally flogged us with a whip. Now think about that. Now that's a foreign thought to us here in America, but truth be told, that's how the early church, that's what it was birthed from, amen? Physical harm coming to them because of the gospel. And then they said, don't you ever do that again. Now, you know what? Some people, that would make them fearful. Some people, you know what, man, that would, that would be it for them. They were done. I am never doing that again. Here's what the apostles did. Here's what our forefathers did, amen? And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. Did you hear that? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And they, I love this, I love this, I love this. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know what they said? Listen, okay? We answer to a higher authority than you. You can beat us. You can threaten us all you want. But we're obeying the God of heaven. You're not shutting us up. Amen? By the way, where's that backbone in the church of Jesus Christ today? Okay? I mean, come on. I can't believe how spineless we are as Christians in America in 2021. I mean, it don't even take something like that. I mean, all it takes is someone, you know, getting up on the, uh, on the communist news networks. And talking, trying to scare people with all these scare tactics, and all of a sudden Christians are cowering in the closet, afraid to do what God's commanded for us to do. Amen? Let me tell you something, folks. When you suffer with Christ, for Christ, there's a joy that comes along with that. A Russian countess accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and was open about her testimony. The, the czar was displeased and threw her into prison. After 24 hours with the lowest level of Russian society and the most miserable conditions imaginable, he ordered her brought into his presence. He smiled very sarcastically and said, Well, are you ready now to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? To his surprise, the countess smiled and serenely said, I've known more real joy and more real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than I've known in a lifetime in the courts of the czar. Amen? Wow, what a powerful testimony here. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, listen to this, folks, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. By the way, those are wonderful truths right there. Amen? But a lot of people stop right there. Let's keep reading the verse. Amen? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. Do you realize there's just a certain closeness that you, you're not going to probably get, get to God unless you suffer with him a little bit? And truth be told, folks, God has called some people to a life of suffering. He's called some people to a bed of affliction. And let me tell you, I, I wouldn't wish that type of life on anyone, but if God calls someone through that life and they'll go through it with the right attitude and the right spirit, I'm going to tell you there's a closest to Jesus Christ that they'll experience and you can't experience any other way. Amen? Because you know why? Suffering with Jesus brings joy. 
How about this? Man, this is a good one. Victory with Jesus brings joy. Amen? Now listen, I get it. Sometimes a Christian life's about suffering. But let me tell you also what it's about. It's about victory. Alright? It's about victory. And I'm going to tell you, folks, when you understand that the victory of this life and the next life is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, that'll put joy in your heart. 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, of course, talking about David here. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy and instruments of music. Hey, why was there joy going on in Israel? I'll tell you why. Because their enemy was just defeated. They experienced a great victory. And because of that great victory that God had accomplished this little shepherd boy named David, hey, there was joy in that. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 27, Then returned uh, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, and to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And I understand, folks, there are seasons where sometimes we face some defeat in life. I get that. Amen? I understand sometimes we're not going to win them all. And we've got to have realistic expectations when it comes to the Christian life. But truth be told, you know what? I know there's some losing, but truth be told, there ought to be a whole lot more winning than losing. Amen? Let me tell you, there's joy in having victory uh, with Jesus Christ. By the way, folks, let me, let me just help you here. Amen. I preached a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to re-preach that message. But let me just say this, folks. We are on the winning side. Amen. Amen. As a Christian, we have nothing at all to get down in the dumps about. We have nothing all to stick our spiritual poochy lip out about and walk around with a sourpuss look on our face all the time. Folks, let me tell you something. Listen, hey, you belong to Jesus Christ. We're winning this thing. Amen? If you're on His side, I promise you, we're winning. Revelation chapter 19, one of my famous or one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. Of course, this is speaking at the end of the tribulation period. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what's going to happen. Amen. When all the armies of heaven are gathered together to fight against Christ, and uh, the, 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 the innumerable amount uh, of soldiers are gathered together in that great valley of Megiddo, right out there uh, outside of Israel, known as the Battle of Armageddon. Here's what's going to happen. Amen. The Antichrist thinks he's going to lead these armies against Jesus Christ. He thinks he has the upper hand. Let me tell you something, folks. They uh, have a chance of winning. Because here's what's going to happen. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? Hey, you know what that's called? That's called victory. You know what that's called? That's called King Jesus. You know what that's called? That's called, hey, guess what? We're with him, and we're winning with him. Amen? So the armies are going to be destroyed. Hey, how about this? And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. That's the Antichrist that's soon to come. That's the one that's going to deceive the world. That's the one that's going to, for seven years, God's going to allow him to have authority and be the leader of the whole earth. And that's soon to come upon this planet, by the way. Everything's going on is leading up to that. One of these days that, that, that Antichrist is going to appear, and that false prophet who's going to lead the one world religion is going to appear. And for a short amount of time, they're going to seem to have the upper hand. But let me say what the Bible says. Amen. And the 
beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and that worshipped the image. Listen to this. They both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. Amen? Guess what? Not going to win. Okay? One world government, not going to thrive. Amen? Listen, we're winning this thing. And then to top it all off, you ready? How about this? Revelation 20.10. Okay? We've got the Antichrist and the false prophet taken care of. We've got all the armies of the earth gathered together going to be taken care of. How about this? Aren't you looking forward to this day? And the devil! Come on now! And the devil! That deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I've said this to you before, but you need to get this deep in your heart, deep in your mind. The devil's not going to be sitting on a throne ruling hell and orchestrating everyone to do his bidding. Are you kidding me? The Bible says he'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. He ain't going to want to be in hell no more than anyone else is. And who's going to have the hottest and the worst torment? It's going to be old Satan himself. Amen? And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. But you ever think about this? In our minds, the devil is the, is the last, the, the biggest enemy to be defeated. But that's not true. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this. Then cometh the end, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and powers, talking about Jesus, amen, all right? For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. So what he's saying here is, listen, he's going to decimate, he's going to rule everything. You ready for this verse? The last enemy, the very last one that shall be destroyed is death. Amen? Listen, Jesus Christ defeats them all. Amen? So yes, when I'm talking about victory with Jesus ought to put joy in your heart, I'm talking about those things right there. I'm talking about when God finally accomplishes everything He prophesied He was going to do, and we live in eternity with Him forever. But guess what, folks? It's not just those victories that bring joy. It's the everyday small victories right now we experience that ought to bring us joy. Amen? Hey, you know what? What God's doing here at White River Baptist Church is a victory that ought to bring joy. Hey, answered prayer in our lives is a victory that ought to bring joy. Hey, seeing God work in the lives of those around us is a victory that ought to bring joy. Standing against temptation of the devil and winning victories ought to be something in our lives that ought to bring joy. Amen? Let me tell you, you can have that by experiencing victory that Jesus brings. So knowing, number one, knowing Jesus brings joy. Serving Jesus brings joy. Winning people to Jesus brings joy. Suffering with Jesus brings joy. Victory with Jesus brings joy. And here's the last one I'm going to leave you with this morning is this. Number six, walking with Jesus brings joy. Amen? Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. I love this verse. I preached a whole message on it, our watch night service last year. Notice what he says here, Psalm 16, verse 11. That will show me the path of life. Don't miss this, church. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've had people ask me before, what's the secret to being a successful Christian? If you could narrow it all down to one thing, what would you, what would you say to a Christian who wanted to be successful, that wanted to live a life pleasing to the Lord? I would sum it all up with this, amen? Once you're saved, it would be walking with God every single day. To me, that's the greatest secret in the Christian life. It talks about that daily personal relationship you have with the Lord. By the way, if you're, if you don't do that, Christian, if you don't spend time with Him in the Word of God and spend time with Him in prayer every day, you're missing out. 
you are missing out. Did you hear what he says there? When you're in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. Listen, folks, God desires to spend time with us. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, I love them that love me. Those that seek me early shall find me. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me tell you something. God desires on a daily basis to have a relationship with his children. Are we reciprocating that relationship? Are we spending time with him? Okay, you don't have to answer me this, but how many of us spent time in the Word of God this morning? How many of us spent time communicating with God in prayer this morning? I'm going to tell you, check your joy meter out. Okay? If if you're running on the low end, more than likely, you're not spending time with the Lord. You're not walking with Him the way you ought to. And I understand, folks, we all go through, you know, spiritual funks in our Christian life. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. There's been times in my life where I haven't been as close to God as I should have been. But let me tell you what ought to drive us as Christians to get out of bed every day is that personal relationship we spend with God every single day. And I'm going to tell you, you do that, there's joy in it. Amen? You can't help but when you spend time in the presence of God with some of that presence rubbing off on you. Amen? And some of that joy overflowing from Him to you. So spending time with Jesus brings joy. So where is joy found out? Well, it's not found in unbelief, because Voltaire, who was an infidel, the most pronounced type, said this, I wish I'd never been born. Where's joy found out? It's not found in pleasure. Lord Byron lived the life of pleasure more than anyone that might have. And here's what he wrote, The worm, the canker, and grief are all mine alone. It's not found in money. Jay Gold, the American millionaire, had plenty of that. When dying, here's what he said, I supposed I'm the most miserable man on earth. It's not in position and fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both. He wrote this, Youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. It's not found in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, he wept in his tent because here's what he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. So where is true joy found out, folks? I'll tell you where it's found out. It's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in Christ alone. So here we are, Smile Sunday, September 19, 2021, White River Baptist Church, Princeton, Indiana. Listen, folks, let's not just smile today. Because if we had square donuts, it's a good reason to smile. But I tr- trust me, those are only going to last so long. In fact, right now, even some of you are like, oh, man, I'm not smiling anymore. Amen? Some of the teenage boys, I've already had five, all right? No, that might bring a temporary little smile to your face. But I promise you, it ain't going to last long. Hey, listen, we're going to have family pictures here in just a minute. And you know what? We're going to smile for those. You're going to put in, put on your biggest, biggest, cheesiest, most of us fake grins, right? Okay? All right? Listen. Listen, a picture is only going to last so long. Let me tell you something, folks. You know what ought to put a joy in our heart and a smile on our face? Jesus Christ. And the fact that we know Him, we love Him, we serve Him. I'm going to tell you, folks, true joy is only found in Jesus. Let's pray.